Welcome to Tardi Mechanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Schmidman, and today we will be learning Yehoshua Perak Tesvav, 15. Yesterday, Perak Yudalid, 14, we learned about Kalev, who in anticipation of the Chiluk Haaretz, the division of the land, he asks Yehoshua for the city of Hebron. Perak Tesvav, 15, delineates the border and cities of Yehuda in minute detail, places landscapes which for 2,000 years was our touchpoint for our land. These prakim were our map when we were so far away. We could open up our national photo album and see our homeland, city by city, connecting us from afar, both in time and space. In our wanderings in exile, we always knew and know that this is our homeland. Every detail of its borders is holy and everlasting. This parak enumerates the cities and borders in geographic detail. As Shevet Yehuda was the most numerous and featured prominently in the encampment in the desert, his cities are mentioned first. Psukim Chaf 20 to 63, Samach Gimel, lists the cities by topographical features, hills, desert, mountain areas, and foothills, totaling 112 cities. For a point of reference, the cities of the rest of the Shvatim who received their boundaries in Shiloh equal 112. Binyamin, Shimon, Zvulan, Yisachar, Asher, and Naphtali. The cities of Dun are mentioned, but not numbered. Shevet Yehuda is the most prominent Shevet regarding territorial distribution. In listing the cities, the Navi is highlighting the gift that B'nai Yisrael received. You see, there's a difference between buying a fully assembled bookcase and having to put the pieces together from Ikea. Hashem promised the B'nai Yisrael in Devarim 6.10, and it shall be when Hashem brings you to the land that he swore to your fathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, to give you great and goodly cities which you did not build. You see, the cities were in moving condition already built and ready for the Jewish people. In the sequence of the Psukim in the Torah, this Pasuk, this promise, follows the most well-known passage in the Torah, the Shema. Let's listen how this passage is read in its entirety, because the context adds dimensions to the words of the Shema, which we know so, so well. Let's first hear the Psukim that precede the Shema, then the Shema, and then our Pasuk, the promise of already existing houses. We're in Devarim, Perak Vav, 6, Pasuk Aleph. V'zos ha-mitzvah ha-chukim v'ha-mishpatim asher tziva Hashem alokeichem, l'lamed eschem la-sos ba-aretz asher ovrim shama l'rishta. This is a commandment and the decrees and the ordinances that Hashem your God commanded to teach you to perform in the land to which you are crossing to possess it. Hashem 
ubincha uven vincha kol yimei chayecha ulemaan yarichon yamecha. So that you will fear Hashem, your God, to observe all His decrees and commandments that I command you, you and your child and your grandchild, all the days of your life, so that your days will be lengthened. Vishamata Yisrael, vishamarta laasos asher yitav lecha vasher tirbun maod, and you shall listen, Israel, and beware to perform, so that it will be good for you, and so that you sh- will increase very much. So that you will increase very much as the Hashem, the God of your forefathers, spoke for you, a land flowing with milk and honey. The very next Pasuk, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hero Israel, Hashem is our God, Hashem is the one and only. V'yahavta eis Hashem Elokecha b'chol levavacha u'v'chol nafshecha u'v'chol me'odecha. And you shall love Hashem, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your resources. V'hayu hadvarim ha'ela asher anochim etzavacha hayom al levavacha. And these matters which I command you today shall be upon your heart. V'shinatam levanecha v'dibarta bam. And you shall teach them thoroughly to your children, and you shall speak of them when you sit in your home and when you walk on the way. And when you retire and when you arise. Bind them as a sign upon your arm and let them be ornaments between your eyes. And write them on your doorposts of your house and upon your gates. And what is the very next Pasuk? Arim gedolos v'tovos asher lo vanisa. Hashem promises to bring you to the land that Hashem swore to your forefathers and to give you great and good cities that you did not build. Next pasuk. Ubatim leim koltuv asher lo milesa. Uvoros chatsuvim asher lo chatsafta. Kramim v'zeisim asher lo natata. Houses filled with every good thing that you did not fill. Chiseled cisterns that you did not chisel. Orchards and olive trees that you did not plant. And you shall eat and be satisfied. What a powerful message that our Shema prayer and the Ahavta are bookended by messages about the land of Israel. The law in the land and the gift of the land are the bookends to the messages of Hashem's oneness, our love for Him, and our commitment to teach this to our children. When I learn Shema with my bat mitzvah students, I'll ask them, where do you need to love Hashem? Well, if it's in your house and when you're on the way, I guess it's everywhere. And when do you need to love Hashem? Well, if it's when you sleep and when you're awake, I guess it's all the time. And how do we love Hashem? With our hand and our head. 
It's with all of our physical and mental abilities. It's with all of our strengths. You see, it's the love of Hashem in surround sound. Everywhere, all the time, with all your strength and abilities, ideally in the land that Hashem has promised us in the most generous and benevolent way. So now let's go and settle the land. Pasuk Aleph 1. And it was the lot of the tribe of the children of Yehuda by their families. When the Shevet received its property, the word that's used is Lemishbachosam, according to their families, because the family unit is critical to influence and impact and assure continuity for generations to come. There are six vocabulary words used in this parak to draw the map and delineate the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael. Pasuk will give us four of these words. V'yatsa, and it broadened, the territory is widening. V'avar, and it passed through, the border goes through a city. V'ala, the border ascended and increased in elevation. V'nasav, and it circled around because the boundary circled around the site to continue forward. Sukkim Tess and Yud 9 and 10 introduced two more words into our topographical vocabulary. Viyarad, it decreased in elevation, and Vita'ar, the boundary proceeded directly following a straight line. Rashi comments in Mesechas Zvachim that Ve'ala, and it increased in elevation, and Viyarad, and it decreased in elevation, that these were not just topographical or cartographic phenomena. Rather, whenever the Navi was describing a boundary from east to west, if the longitude of Yerushalayim was not crossed, the word used is ve'alah, and if it was crossed, then ve'yarad was the proper term. It's because Yerushalayim is the highest point in Eretz Yisrael. So if the boundary is coming toward Yerushalayim but doesn't cross, then you're going up. And if it does cross and it goes past Yerushalayim, then you're going down. And while this point is shared in the context of geographical details, that Yerushalayim is the highest point, this is certainly true for the spirituality of the city. Let's go on to Pasuk Yud Gimel 13, where we meet Kalev once again. Ulekalev ben Yifuna nasan chelek besoch b'nei Yehuda al pi Hashem liyoshua eskiryas arba avihanak and to Kalev, the son of Yifuna, he gave part among the children of Yehuda, according to the commandment of Hashem to Yehoshua, the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which is the city of Hebron. While the rest of the Shevet received their portions through lottery, Kalev received his land as Hashem had promised the land to him. The Abarbanel writes, to retain the integrity and value of the lottery, even Kalev partook. After Hashem promised him this particular portion, the divinely ordained city was drawn, as was Kalev's name, thus assuring that Kalev's right to the land was clear and apparent to all. After Kalev conquers Hebron and drives out the giants, he goes up to Devir. Devir was also known as Kiryas Sefer. The Gemara associates the city of the book with the incident in which 300 halachos were forgotten during the period of Moshe's death. Pasuk 16, Tess Zion. Vayomer Kalev, asher yakeh es kiryas sefer ulechada 
Vinasati lo es achsa biti leisha. Kalev issued a challenge. Whoever conquers the city of Kiryas Sefer will receive his daughter as a wife. Pasuk Yudzayin 17. Vayukida asneo ben kenaz achi Kalev, vayitainlo es achsa bito leisha. Asniel, the son of Kenaz, brother of Kalev, conquered it, and so he gave him his daughter Achsa as a wife. Asniel ben Kenaz rises to the challenge and conquers the city, both militarily and reestablishes these lost halachos. He literally fought the battle of Torah, Milchamaso Shel Torah. After Achsa, Kalev's daughter, marries Asniel, she tries to persuade her husband to ask his father-in-law and half-brother to deal with the arid land that they have been allocated. As he is hesitant, she goes to her father and literally falls off her donkey in her request, either out of respect or in a dramatic gesture. Kalev's response, Vayomer la Kalev malach, what is it that you wish? She responds, Tnali vracha ki eretz hanegev nesatani, v'nasati li gulos mayim. She said, give me a source of blessing because you gave me an arid land. Give me springs of water. Kalev's response, v'yitenla eis gulos ilios v'eis gulos tachtios. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now, fascinatingly, this story with Achsa is repeated almost word for word in the first parak of Shoftim. So we have several questions. First of all, why? And what is Achsa's message to her father and ultimately to us? Achsa was given Asniel's hand in marriage as a result of his military prowess. Her worry that she shares passionately with her father is that she does not want a life dry of Torah but rather a home suffused with the springs of Torah. Military success is not the ultimate goal, but rather building and growing Torah in the land of Israel. Kalev reassures her that Asniel is not just a military leader, but he is a tremendous Torah scholar, one who restores the lost laws of Moshe to the people. In the space of Sefer Yehoshua, the message of Achsa is that conquering the land of Israel is not at the expense of our holy Torah. And why repeat this story at the start of Sefer Shoftim? You see that Asniel ben Kenaz succeeded Yehoshua as the first Shofet. He follows in the footsteps of Moshe and Yehoshua, leaders who were uniquely able to combine the military strength with Torah scholarship. The need to fuse both of these ideals was necessary in the desert, necessary to conquer and settle the land, and necessary in Sefer Shoftim once the people were established in the land of Israel. The story is repeated to underscore how Achsa wanted her father's reassurance that her husband, leader of the people, would not just be a military leader, but a Torah scholar as well. Our leaders must be able to combine the holy and the mundane. Now that the people were working the land and living regular lives in the land of Israel, this message was all the more important. To understand the primacy of Torah, a well-irrigated field of knowledge. You see, for Achsa, dry land was not acceptable. She spoke up with tenacity and strength to her father to assure that her values having grown up in the home of Kalev, would be transmitted to future generations and to us. 
The parak continues with an enumeration of the cities in the south of Yehuda, the lowlands of Yehuda, the southwestern shore region, the mountain region, and the wilderness of Yehuda. The parak ends with Pasuk Samach Gimel 63. The Eshay Yoshve Yerushalayim Lo Yochlu B'nei Yehuda Lahorisham. And the Yivusi, the inhabitants of Yerushalayim, the children of Yehuda, were not able to drive out. Vayeshev ha-Yivusi es b'nei Yehuda b'Yerushalayim ad hayom hazeh. And the Yivusi dwelled among the children of Yehuda in Yerushalayim until this day. The Radak suggests that this tribe of Yivusim was not one of the seven nations which the Jewish people were commanded to exterminate. These were descendants of Avimelech, whom Avraham made a treaty with, promising to live in peace for four generations. The Jewish people were still bound by this treaty until many years later, when the fourth generation had passed on, giving David HaMelech permission to conquer the city. Another opinion is that they were descendants of Ephron, who sold Avraham the Ma'aras HaMachpelah. Avraham entered into a covenant when he purchased the land as a burial plot. Both these explanations speak to the point that we shared several days ago, that the Jewish people keep their word and would only fight if they had ethical and moral clearance to do so. Yerushalayim at that point was fortified in a way that made it impossible to conquer, and as such, the people of Yehuda chose to live side by side. It was only in the days of David that they were able to conquer the city forever known as Ir David. The parak closes with the fusing of the land of Yehuda and Binyamin in the city of Yerushalayim. There was a strip of land that extended from Yehuda's territory into Binyamin's territory, and that is where the Mizbeach was built. What a lesson to us that our national capital can be shared by brothers, a big brother Yehuda who took responsibility for his little brother Binyamin. Today we highlighted the importance of the division of the land and what the cities mean to us. Cities whose names we recognize and stories we learned and cities whose names remain, but the stories have faded over the course of time. Each space and place in Eretz Yisrael has an element of holiness. It is for us to feel it, whether from up close or afar. Thank you for studying together. Li'ilui Nishmot, Imotenu Hayikarot, Esther Oppenheimer, Allah Shalom, and Sarah Shanker, Allah Shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.